Whoever you are, we welcome you. Wherever you come from, we welcome you. Whomever you love, we welcome you. My name is Lisa Teal, and I'm privileged to serve as a lay ministry candidate and worship associate for the Unitarian Universalist Church of Kent. And I'm pleased to be joined today by the Reverend Robin Zucker, who hails all the way from Pittsburgh to be with us today. And I'm also really happy to be up here today with several musical guests, Katie Grigg and Brad Bolton and um, special musical visitors, Margo Milsitich, Joe Cully, and Mike Curtis. Krishna, 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 Hare, Hare. 
you'll find hope in this broken world if you're willing time to open Good morning. I'm delighted to be with you today, my very first time at your lovely congregation. Thank you for inviting me. We begin today in our exploration of our inherent but beautiful brokenness with a responsive call to worship. Your part of the reading is in your order of service. I am not alone. There is a love holding me. I will gesture to you when it's time for the response. May I move gently through this cloudy, murky day. May I remember that this is just one day and that showing up is at least half if, is what I've, is what I've asked of me. May I set aside my underlying anxiety that I will not get everything done and put my trust and faith on the riverbank of community. We are here together. We are working together. We are being together. I am not alone. There is a love holding me that is unconcerned with my day's to-do list and more concerned with my spirit's survival, even its thriving in this beautiful, challenging world. May we all remember that Rome was not built in a day, that our efforts are part of an ongoing stream of efforts of lives being lived besides one another, shoring up this world. May what little I do today be for the greater good. May I be gentle with myself and with others today as I long for others to be gentle with me. When you came in, you each chose a piece of fabric. This is a chindi, a fabric scrap. We'll talk more about in the sermon. But I invite you now to take the piece you chose and put it in your hand. And again, as Lisa invited you to close your eyes and place your feet on the floor and take some cleansing breaths. Just feel yourself breathing. We so rarely feel ourselves in a place of deep breath and have that breath go through you, relaxing you, starting at your head. Breathe relaxation into your body. Four beats in through your nose, four beats out through your mouth in a steady rhythm that refreshes you. Stop thinking and feel. 
stop and feel, breathe and allow. Move your breath down from your head towards your toes in that spirit. Stop and feel, breathe and allow. Your chindi represents the piece of you that is torn but broke, but, and broken but beautiful. As you hold this piece of fabric in your hand, this chindi, I invite you to open the place in your heart, your heart chakra, and allow beautiful green light to radiate inward with self-love and compassion for those places of you that are torn but beautiful. Ask yourself, how goes it with my torn and broken pieces? While you radiate that beautiful green open-hearted light inward, also radiate it outward towards others who are also torn but beautiful. Let us be in silent reflection together. May we be healed, broken open. Blessed be. Sudha Vishwakarma sits behind her sewing machine at the Umang Training Center in Mumbai, India. Umang works with local women like Sudha who are not able to find dignified jobs elsewhere and typically find themselves in poverty, forced marriages, or both. Most women have no sewing skills when they come to the Umang Training Center, and they begin by learning basic techniques on motorized sewing machines. The training center is sponsored by the Marketplace Collaborative, Cooperative, which has developed a chindi scrap collection to use fabric that would otherwise be wasted. Suda's goal is to be an excellent tailor, but in her words, I need time. She practices by patching chindis together so she can master sewing a straight line and then move on to more complex projects. These more complex projects are the extremely lovely and pretty expensive clothing that Marketplace sells in the US through their catalog. Yet as much as I was taken with the clothes, it was the women profiled in the catalog who compelled and touched me. And I cut them out of the catalog just so that you could see them before I talk about them. But these are pictures from the catalog. Suda's co-worker, Chinti Devi, for instance, tells her story of poverty and worry before her training. She says, I identify now with the value of joy. I am just learning to smile again. Hassini Ansari, now a manager, 
beams with pride that her son is now going to be able to go to dental school. Not long ago, she was dependent on her husband, a taxi driver, who became ill. The Marketplace Cooperative has given her confidence, hope, and a new identity. Now, although I look for sermon material just about everywhere, I believe this is the very first time I've been inspired by a clothing catalog. (laughs) Yet, when I read these stories, I knew there was something to say about brokenness, how we patch together the chindis of our lives when they are torn, and how we might learn courageously to sow as straight a line as possible in our healing journeys. As I began my research for this sermon, I started with the word chindi itself, and I hit the jackpot. I learned that in Navajo culture, a chindi is a feared figure, a ghost, something left over. I'd argue that the wound of becoming broken could live in us like a ghost. That remnant or scrap is something we can stitch into our lives or it can remain something that we fear, a fearful ghost. As we've already discovered, chindi in the Hindi language is literally a scrap of fabric or paper. So in the same vein, it's a ghost of something that was once whole and is now fragmented or broken. In the West... We preference wholeness and perfection and positive psychology over the wisdom of embracing or minimally acknowledging our brokenness and the shadow. We may despise our brokenness and want to avoid its intense pathos and pain. We might be bewildered or feel ill-equipped on how to hold our torn pieces tenderly and feel empathy for our own human frailty. The skills for this type of self-compassion are sorely thin in our culture, and they seem to be thinning. Pain becomes drenched in alcohol and drugs or sugar or distractions or projections or blame or avoidance, or the pain becomes internalized as self-loathing and even physical disease. Fear is to be shunned rather than befriended. I believe this, among other things, is why we are in such a mess right now in our wounded world. Brokenness has been converted to bitterness, and our fear has become toxic. If we look to the East, we often find a different attitude. In Buddhism, the first noble truth reminds us that suffering or dukkha is inherent in the human condition, and grasping at some other reality just leads to more suffering. The great Buddhist teacher, Joan Halifax Roshi, tells the story of two friends in her newest book, Standing at the Edge, Finding Freedom Where Fear and Courage Meet. One of these friends was a skilled psychologist who had caved into futility after years of practice. He had become overwhelmed and flooded by his patients' experiences of suffering and was, in his words, dried up 
He felt like he was flat and gray inside. Halifax explains that his story exemplifies the negative outcome of a combination of what she calls the edge states. What happens when altruism goes toxic, empathy leads to empathic distress, respect collapses under the weight of futility, and engagement doesn't lead to being energized but to burnout. Suffering had crept up on the man, she says, and his compassion for himself and others had begun to die. Now Halifax's other friend, a young Nepali woman named Pasang Lama Sherpa Akita, she took another route, literally and metaphorically. (coughs) She is one of her country's greatest woman climbers who was on her way to the Everest base camp when a devastating earthquake hit that region in April of 2015. Her home in Kathmandu was demolished, completely destroyed, but she survived and she realized that she had to go help those in trouble, even at her own great risk. She and her husband, another renowned climber, organized hundreds of villagers to make new trails, gather medicine and supplies, move the wounded, and create new shelters. Halifax concludes, my psychologist friend went over the edge and never found his way back. My Nepali friend stood on the best edge of her humanity. How is it that some people don't get beaten down by the world, but are animated by the deep desire to endure when they are broken open. The Roshi's answer? Maintaining a connection to our compassionate hearts so that we can pull ourselves back from the edge. In her words, we discover that the alchemy of suffering and compassion brings forth the gold of our character, the gold of our hearts. This last quote is a reference to the Japanese practice called kintsukuri. Maybe you've heard of it, heard of it, meaning golden repair. Kintsukuri is the art of repairing broken pottery with powdered gold or platinum mixed with lacquer so that the repair actually reveals the history of the breakage. The repaired object mirrors the fragility, imperfection, and beauty of life, and also its strength. What can we learn from the practice of kintsukuroi in our flesh and blood human lives? As Halifax explains, the golden repair is not a hidden repair. It shows very clearly and intentionally the cracked and broken nature of our lives. It combines ordinary stuff and precious metals to repair the crack, but not hide it. (coughs) This, I believe, is how transformation happens, and integrity opens. Not by rejecting suffering, but by incorporating the suffering into a stronger material, the material of goodness, so that the broken parts of our nature, our society, and our world can meet the gold of wholeness.
the object, now an exquisite work of art, more exquisite than before it was broken, returns to wholeness, to integrity. But just like us, it is never not broken again. And this is celebrated and deemed precious, not mourned or regretted or hidden behind something else on a shelf. So I ask you, as I did in the meditation, are you wasting your torn chindis? Do your wounds linger for you like a haunting ghost? How goes it with your broken pieces? Can you imagine adorning them with gold, considering them precious, treating them with compassion and tenderness? The Hindus have taken this idea to a whole other level by including Akhil Andeshwari, the never not broken goddess, among their pantheon of thousands of deities. We are chanting kirtan to at least four of those deities this morning, I've noticed, Krishna, Rama, Lakshmi, and Durga. But there are so many more. When I discovered Akhil Andeshwari, I loved the connection I was able to make to the women who were patching chindis in the Umang training center. So I went looking for a statue of this girl, and I found one, and it sits up here today next to the chalice. Here she is, right up here. She was hard to find because she is not a well-known goddess, but she is now officially my favorite. We are a pair of never-not-broken goddesses, BFFs forever. And we can learn from her and how she is depicted She has a serene smile, carries a trident, and rides a crocodile through the rivers of life. Now this crocodile assists her with her prey and her trident represents her power to help us move through the challenges we face. In Sutra Journal, the writer Lara Amazoni notes, Akhil Endeshvari helps us find the light of our essence through the cracks from the chaos. It's been said that our wounds are where the light can come in. Do you believe this is true? Are you willing to know yourself in pieces? Can you leave the cracks exposed long enough for light to penetrate and comfort you and teach you what your brokenness yearns to share? Are you willing to know yourself in pieces? Love yourself in pieces. Cherish yourself in pieces. Like most of the Hindu deities, Akhil Andeshvari has a shadow side, a destructive dimension too. Her earrings represent wrathful energy and she only wears them in daylight. At night, her full powers are unleashed. She is a force. No one can remove the destruction and the mysterious qualities of the night or the universal brokenness she contains. In essence, she advises us, and I agree wholeheartedly, look at what is broken in you and you will understand what is broken in the world. 
Look at how you might contribute to these conflicts in your avoidance, your destructive tendencies, your addictions and denials, your arrogance, your fear of the crocodile's jaw. But this formidable goddess, more than anything, wants to remind us of the power found in our brokenness, in the loss, in the fear, in the anguish, and also in the healing. It may seem counterintuitive, but she also reminds us that sadness, despair, and grief are some of the strongest medicines in the splintered aftermath of any heartbreak. Yes, her teaching can feel brutal to our egos. Most wisdom can. But she truly has our best interests at heart. And when she reminds us that sadness, despair, and grief are some of our strongest medicines in the splintered aftermath of any heartbreak, she wants us to heal broken open. I believe that our shared brokenness connects us more than it divides us. Like that cracked clay pot, the jug, and the Indian folktale that deemed itself a failure, our shared brokenness also waters the flowers by the side of the road, whether we realize it or not. And just like hopeful Sudha Vishwakarma toiling behind her sewing machine in Mumbai, and just like each of us, I am holding my frayed chindis tenderly in my hand and learning day by day to patch them together into some semblance of golden repair as close to wholeness as any human can realistically expect. The stitches may be uneven and stray off a straight line, but I persist, I endure, I practice. My heart aches, my ego bears the brunt. I ride with you on an imaginary crocodile across the waterways of pain and joy and fear and grief and healing as we wait for that light to filter through the shadow and into the cracks. And it will. We are never not broken, and blessed be. We are beautiful. So I say to you, Jai Bhagwan, the divine in me recognizes and honors the divine in you.
Closing words today are by my colleague, the Reverend Kendra Ford, a poem entitled Offerings. For those who are shy but resolute, almonds and milk and carry a smooth stone in your pocket. For those who are first to speak, crisp green apples and wear well-worn hiking boots. For those who refuse to believe even what they see, heart stewed rhubarb, then greet every living thing you know by name. For those whose minds will not empty a full samovar of tea while someone brushes and brushes your hair. For those who are exhausted to emptiness, lentil soup and watch the waves till the tide turns, then sleep. For those who find the faces of others inscrutable, hot pepper jam, and sit in the front row at the movies and watch the audience. For those who get lost in their own freedom, slow rising bread, then write on birch bark all that you believe. For those who are surprised by their own needing, grit and molasses, and sit in a dim auditorium during every choir practice. For those who are afraid to listen, thick, simmering stew, 
and sit in the park until among the bird calls you hear your name. And for those who are afraid of what they must do, wild berry pie and walk everywhere you go. Lisa will now extinguish the chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we carry in our hearts until we meet again. Amen. broken wings and learn to fly all your life. You were only waiting for this moment to arise. Blackbirds singing in the dead of night. Take these sunken eyes and learn to see. Singing in the dead of night.